You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is some of my best friends or Kabbalists. Rav Nelson, thank you so much for your uh, introduction that is up on our platform, introduction to uh, where we really roll up our sleeves today because you gave us a, uh, a comprehensive understanding of why Malchus Yisrael is still so relevant to us. How that in seemingly that wayward experiment that we just sort of like wring our hands about and 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 and, and point out all these bad kings. Um, actually, it's in that history that we are able to uh, discover the the underpinnings of the future age that we hope will be upon us soon, which is uh, Mashiach ben Yosef, uh, heralding Mashiach ben David and heralding the, the tikkun of the whole world. So I think that's, you know, I, I hope I'm doing justice to to, to, to your, what, what you spoke about in terms of understanding the Rekha of, of Malchus Yisrael, correct? Yeah. Uh, I would, I would also add, I, th- I think I might've neglected to say this, but, but uh, I, I do believe that the function of Mashiach bin Yosef, as originally intended, assuming that the concept goes back to the time of the divided monarchy, would be to help undo the divided monarchy. Um, which, ironically, ironically enough, puts puts Achav in something of a of a uh, messianic position. As strange as as strange as that sounds, and maybe he, you know, maybe he was good in the beginning. Maybe he got off to a, you know, had good intentions in the beginning, but got messed up by the politics of needing to uh, needing to uh, cement relationships with the uh, with the Tzidonim, uh with you know the, the well, Phoenicians well, look, up the coast um look, i you know novi is never a yeshiva man strong suit unless they are raised in a certain type of yeshiva but for uh people like ourselves we come to novi somewhat later in life and to discover it and to swim in it and to maybe appreciate it mm. but i know i do know that there's, there's, you know, from the psukim uh, as the malchus starts to disintegrate in the beginning, um, you know, we have this idea that it's not going to be forever, right? When Yeruvim is told that, uh, you know, you will get malchus, but you know, it's it's going to go back, right? The malchus is not going to stay. Uh, that there will be a unification. All the prophecies about Ephraim and uh, Yehuda becoming an Eitz Echad, you know, these are all mm-hmm. pretty- that's the Right, these are all pretty straightforward. That that haftarah of of Chalamoid Pesa. It's the haftarah of Parshas Vayigash, I believe, as well. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Parshas. Well, that makes that makes a lot of sense because the whole the whole yeah the whole Indian of Yosef and Yehuda confronting each other is a a prefiguring of the of the of the issue of the divided monarchy and the possibility of unification. I mean, people don't people don't even begin to grasp that when they when they do Parshas Vayigash, but. You know, no, that's, no, I, uh, right, and the Sarah the the return of the Sarah Sashvatim, and uh, whether it's from you know, the the the, the Vilnagons, um, you know, students, uh, uh, I guess, uh, activism to get back to Sarah Sashvatim and uh, to to push for that in terms of the return for Tzitzel. So I, I think those things are pretty well known, but I think what's less well known, and what you brought to the fore last time on your solo outing here was 
uh, how crucial understanding the history of Malchus uh, Yisrael is and uh, all of its manifestation, whether it's Yeruvim and Achav, Yehu, and, and, and as, it, as it eventually uh, dissolved. Um, but there was, mm-hmm. uh, I know where you, where you want to go with this. So maybe as we see how crucial it is that Mashiach ben Yosef, um, and, and by the way, we've spoken about Rav Kook before. You know, Rav Kook is famous for um, his, um, I guess, publicizing his views of Mashiach ben Yosef. Uh, I don't think they were so novel uh, from a Kabbalistic perspective, but to actually make them front and center and to speak about them in a, in a public way, at, you know, at Hertz, you know, about Herzl and others, right? I think it was at, um, mm-hmm. was it at, was it at Herzl's Levaya? Um, but it was, it was definitely, I have no idea. it was definitely a public statement that Herzl and others represent Mashiach ben Yosef. The Mashiach ben Yosef is, is more than one person, that he isn't an actual, it's not just one human being, but it's more of a concept uh, that many human beings fulfill. Um, including that's no that's the same that's the same question for Mashiach ben David also you know the idea that he's Magulgal in every generation that uh, he's sitting on the you know he's sitting on the in the in the gates of Rome he's here he's there you know so so Mashiach also has a has a has a uh, uh, has an existence beyond simply being one one particular person in one particular place uh, you know and something that I mentioned in the in the Shir was that uh, was that Chizkiyah Melech was a Mashiach wannabe or you know Akadish Baruch wanted him to be Mashiach but but for some reason he didn't he didn't make the cut. Um so what I was trying to say was that there's there's really there's really an importance to the idea uh, to the idea of Mashiach going back even before the Korban Besmigdish, even before Gullus. The the idea of Mashiach is already kind of inherent in the in the uh in the background. And that's that's important for anything else that that's gonna you know that that we're gonna continue to talk about. I just you know, I have a little digression, which since this is an interview and this is so therefore not following a plan, particularly. Um, um, this is not an interview. Well, this is, this is well, a freewheeling, just, we're having, a, we're freewheeling a freewheeling uh, discussion yeah. uh, that is. So I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, so I'm going to throw down a gauntlet over here and I'm going to refer people to Mizmor Memhe in Tehillim. Which uh, which um, is most usually quoted because it has the famous pasuk Kol Kavuda Vas Melech Pnima, um, which according to Pshat means that the princess's luggage is stored away. But of course, we know how the Rambam uh, interpret you know it darshans that and and uh, you know many other many other Mekayers. So this is a very well known, um, howbeit for um, a rather um, extraneous reason why this why this mizmor is is so well known, um, but anyway, the the uh, Malbim is the one who actually says, according to Pshat, that it is a wedding song for a king getting married to a non-Jewish woman who is expected to convert to Judaism, or you know Yisraeliut, if not if not if not Judaism. And the the king over here is absolutely presented in messianic in messianic terms, including another pasuk, you know, ahafto tzedek vatisna resha. You you know you love justice, you hate evil doing. Alkain 
Mishachacha Elihim Elihecha Shemen Sasain Mechavirecha. Therefore, God, your God, right, um, has anointed you with oil with of joy oil of joy above and beyond your you know your friends or or maybe your through peers. your friends he has anointed your peers okay so so you you are you are mashiach you've been chosen you're the chosen one you're going to do wonderful things you're going to conquer nations you're going to create a just society and there is this so uh, there is this wife of yours or she's Bas-tor. not even she's called Bastor. Bastor, yeah but you know now, a shegal is not exactly a queen. It's a, it's a consort. But if anybody knows a little bit of Hebrew, you know that that's a term that, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no way of avoiding its plainly. It's, it's, it's already in the Torah itself. Yishagelno, Yishkabno, right? Yeah, except, yeah, except that every place else in the Torah, when you have the Shin Gimel Lamed of, uh, root you always read it as something else you know, it's a Korean exiv and it become it becomes something else here the word is the word is not changed um but um i would i would want to i would just want to make a little a little adjustment here that we're not necessarily talking about a bastsur let's say a daughter of tyre in, in english you know that that city on the mediterranean coast um, it could be that Ubatsur Bimincha Panayich Yichalu, that Batsur will give you will will give you a will give you gifts. And if you imagine, let's say, a daughter of Tsidon who has grown up, you know, two princesses, Tsar and Tsidon, and they're both, you know, pretty much of equal uh, of equal standing, you know, and then suddenly one of them gets a gigantic upgrade such that her playmate who has now also grown up is coming, bowing down and presenting her with, with, uh, um, you know, with, with gifts and, and uh, tribute. And how did this woman get to be such a Hushavdika girl? Well, she got to be so Hushav because she is the Shegal of, uh, of Melech Yisrael. Okay. Now, so it doesn't have to necessarily be Basur. It could be Bas Sidon. And that would mean that the Melech in question here is none other than Achav. And last but not least, there's a Raya. One of the things that it says about Achav is that he built a palace of ivory. Yes, I'm Ophir. Right? A palace of ivory. And sure enough, more ve'aholois, ketziois, kol big secho, all of your clothing have incredible fragrances. Min shane from from um, from ivory chambers palaces. of ivory, from ivory palaces, mini simchucha, they have caused you to rejoice. Who has an ivory palace? Shlomo Melech is noted as having an ivory chair. He had a he had a kiseishin, but but a but a a bet shen is only achav. So you know what? I could certainly I could certainly understand Chazal not wanting to say that shot. Okay, in any medrash or any place, because you wouldn't want to. I mean, the, you know, it came to such a bad end. You know, okay, it didn't turn out the way that it was supposed to. And you know, what always happens in a situation like this is a is a nevuah that doesn't turn out the way that it was supposed to becomes deferred and replaced and you know sent forward in time for for other better people to uh, to uh, manifest. Okay, 
but uh, I'll call I'll call upon him. It you know makes sense to me that uh, that you're talking about a Mizmor said um, for Achav. Fascinating, um, fascinating, fascinating. You know, when he was when he was when he was still a young, you know, um, idealistic king that was ready to mend the you know bring Malchus Yehuda and Malchus uh, Malchus Yisrael together again and reunite everybody and maybe get rid of the get rid of the calves and in the Get rid of the Agolim in in Dan and Basel, but okay. So I just had to I just had to say that it's not, it's fascinating. It's a it's a thought, you know. No, and, I, I, I think accepted it. You know, I said all the people who are listening accept it if you think it's reasonable. Don't accept it if you don't think it's reasonable. I'm not trying to argue with anybody, but it's something that I saw and. Uh, no, I, I think, think it's worthwhile. I, I think mentioning. no, I think it's a good insight, and I think that uh, in general, the idea of using Tehillim as a history source is something that uh, the great uh, Jewish historian Zev Yaivitz uh, um, brought to the fore in his magnificent work, Told Us Yisrael. Um, it obviously forces us, as you say, to put on a different hat. That Tehillim isn't just this magical book that we open up uh, when we are in Tzoros and we need to somehow find a capital that can somehow speak our soul, but it rather is a book that was written at a, uh, a safer that reflects a certain time. A lot of things going on, yeah. And, and therefore, it can actually work, as you say, on multiple levels. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that somebody has seen this before. And yeah. I think that even, you know, even, even the Malbim, who actually was the one that Explained the the, the the shot of the of the Mizmor as as clearly as as he did. Uh, I'm I'm certain that it crossed his mind. Yeah. Okay. It could well, not. It could not not have crossed his mind. Well, I think what right? this has to do with the comment that I made earlier is is that the idea of you know we, when we have figures that 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 move forward the idea of Jewish life. Jewish not being the exact term, but the life of Klal Yisro uh, in a way that uh, is part of a political life and a way that they can function as not as strangers. Uh, that is part of what Mashiach ben Yosef is about, right? Mashiach ben Yosef hmm. is, um, is setting the path, uh, is, is setting the groundwork of living a life in our land, living a life as people. That's what Rav Cook, you know. That's yeah, that's right. And 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 he's 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 certainly basing himself on characters like like uh, Achav or like uh, Yehu's great great grandson Yeravam the second. Um, yeah. Because these are these are people that were very very concerned with the physical well being of Am Yisrael with the with the uh, with the quality of life. With the expansion of the with the expansion of the kingdom, and um, in a way that is illogical, unless it's somehow, as Rav Cook says, rooted in some sort of holiness. Because why should yeah. you? In other words, why, why should why, you care? Why should, why should you care? Why should it be so crucial when you could probably just make some sort of a political deal and bring in other yeah. countries that are stronger or uh, you know have better natural resources and basically dissolve uh, what makes us special? This this uniqueness of 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 of, of our the Zera Yisrael and of the patriotism that's somehow uh, connected to it, as our cook says, probably it taps into some sort of depth which which is clearly holy, and that is uh, why Mashiach Ben Yosef is 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 really 
Tzvi Hersh Kalisher and and Binyamin Herzl and maybe a lot of other figures put together. But I think even before we get to these modern people, what your talk last week brings in that maybe Achav is some part of Mashiach Ben Yosef. And yet, let's talk about uh, another, uh, your, the surprise uh, Mashiach Ben Yosef uh, um, candidate who you were alluding to. Right. Uh, and sharp-eyed, right. sharp-eyed listeners who, who, who get our podcasts uh, from any of the platforms will see that I attached a, a very little special picture uh, to last uh, to your program to your solo shot, mm. and let's let's ready get let's get the cat out of the bag. So who yeah, is another? Who is the, so the, you spoiler alert! You you you. <laughs> yes, who is who spoilers? Is the, right, who Mashiach is Mashiach Ben Yosef? Ben Yosef. Okay, which is a medrash composed by Eliyahu Anavi, um, transmitted to Rav Anon, a Bavli Amoira. And um, he tells the following story. One day, all the Chachamim were sitting in the base Medrash. They argued with each other. Where does, where does Eliyahu come from? So this one says that he comes from Zaroshel Rochel. He's a, he's a descendant of Rochel. And this one says that he's from the descendants of Leah. This seems to be on the surface basically a machlekes that that uh, is today pretty well decided. I suppose everybody that I know knows for a fact that uh, Eliyahu is Pinchasu Eliyahu. So that would mean that Eliyahu is a Koyan, who's me Bnei Levi, who is a child of Leah. Um, if he's a, if he's a child of of, uh, of Rachel, he would probably be a Menasheite from from Gilad. Ever Hayarden, which is why he would be called Elio Hagil Odi. As long as they're arguing with each other, I came and I said to them, My teachers, I descend from the children of Rachel. And they said to me, Give, give us a sign to what you say. So I'm Arti Lehem. I said, This is what it's this is what is written in the in the Yuchsin of Shevet bin Yamin. Uh, so he's so he's saying I'm 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 from I'm from Shevet Binyamin. Look at this uh, look at this um, genia this pasuk. That's my genealogy. Amruli. So they said to me, Wait, aren't you a Kayan? You're Eliyahu You should be Pinchas, right? And this is not this isn't this what you meant when you said to the to the uh, to the widow, um, just make me one little um, pita and a little round piece of bread first, um, and bring it out to me, and you and your son make as, second. As if, as, as, if that, as if she was going to be mafresh challah, and give as him. if she was going to be mafresh challah. That's why. That's why he would get the challah first. Okay, so because what the story the story that goes is that it's it's in the middle of these three years of of terrible famine when everybody everybody is halishing, and Eliyahu uh, tells Achav, you know, from now on there's no you know no rain until I say so or you know or until Hashem says so whatever you know whichever person you think is is uh, is talking here, and 
And um, in the meanwhile, people are really, really seriously, seriously suffering. So Hashem and Eliyahu apparently is run out of, I don't know, the, 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 the ravens that have been feeding Eliyahu seem to have run out of, uh, out of stuff to bring him. So Eliyahu has to wander around and Hashem tells him to go to this uh, widow woman. She lives in a place called Sarfat, which is not France. It's somewhere along next to the coast of um, the Galil, somewhere near, somewhere near Sidon, right? Okay. And, uh, and he goes there and he finds this, and he finds this woman who's gathering, gathering sticks. And, um, and uh, Eliyahu asks her if she has any food. And she says, all I have is a little bit of oil and, uh, and, a, and a little jar with some, with some uh, flour. And I'm just gathering sticks because I'm going to take that, mix the oil, the flour, a little water, uh, make a fire, and I'm going to make a little bread for myself and my son. And then we're going to eat it. And after that, we have no more food, so we're going to die. And Eliyahu says, so do this. Before you eat, you know, before you make your own little, you know, little round breads, um, make me a small one. So the Chachamim over here are, are assuming that what we're talking about is Hafrash's Chalo. Although it would seem to me that there, there wouldn't be enough dough here or no, there wouldn't be enough flour here to be chayv and challah would be a different question. I mean, because it's like she's talking like it's just a little bit left and we're going to eat this and then we're going to die. Um, if it, if there's enough there for, for mitzvah safresh, it's challah. 24 baits. Yeah, you need 24 baits. Yeah, that's a, that's a quite, you know, that's that's a substantial right. amount, actually. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, leaving that leaving that question aside, so the Chachamim there think that Eliyahu was a coin, and that's why he asked her to make him uh, to make him challah. By the way, there's a miracle that happens afterward that uh, that Eliyahu promises that the uh, that the um, the you know the jug of flour is going to continue to miraculously to produce flour, and that the and that the little uh, little flask of oil is going to continue to produce oil, and it did all the way until Hashem finally gave rain to the uh, rain to Eretz Yisrael. Right, so so at any rate, the so Elio needs to so Elio had to right. Answer. So Elio needs to explain what's you know what's with this what's with this little you know what's with this little uh, pita pita bread. So Amartu Lehen, I said to them like this: Oto Tinok Mashiach ben Yosef This baby is Mashiach ben Yosef. The remez ramazti la olam, and I gave out a hint to the world. That I'm going down to Bovel, and afterwards Mashiach is going to come. Now, this really doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, he seems to be conflating a lot of things: Bovel, Mashiach, Mashiach ben David, Mashiach ben Yosef. It's, it's hard. It's hard to understand what what actually he means. There's Chilufegir Saot over here, various versions of, of what he might have said. But the point seems to be that by eating the bread first, I'm taking it upon myself to be the Mavaser, to be the proclaimer of Mashiach. As if Mashiach ben Yosef or Mashiach ben David needs an Eliyahu to proclaim him. And, and eating this bread seems to have something to do with being Mashiach. Eating bread or eating this particular bread under these particular under these particular circumstances gives you a claim to some sort of of, uh, of messianic status. I tried looking this up, but the only the only thing that I could think of is is uh, is Malki Tzedek Melech Shalom bringing out lechem v'yayin to uh, to Avramovino. 
Avram Avinu wasn't becoming Mashiach, he was becoming, he was becoming a Kayan. He was being Yerush, the idea of Korban Menachis for, for, his, for his progeny. But anyway, that's, that's clearly, the, it's clearly the idea. You know, there's some rituals where you bring out the bread and the person who partakes of it is, is meant, to be, meant to be the king. I don't, something about Shaul HaMelech is just suddenly tickling my, tickling my memory. Yeah, yeah, the story is right here at the beginning of, um, of Sefer Shmuel, uh, Perik Yud, where, you know, Shmuel is, is giving all sorts of signs to Shaul about uh, how things are going to play out. And when he says, when you leave me today, you're going to uh, find two people at uh, Kever Rachel, and, um, and they'll tell you that the donkeys that you are looking for were found. And um, and you continue going from there, and you're going to go to Elon Tavor, and you will find three people there who are going up to Hashem to the at, at, uh, at Betel. One of them will be one of them will carry three goats, little goats, and the other one will carry three loaves of bread, and the other one will be carrying a a um, wine skin, and they'll ask you shalom. And, and um, and they will give you two loaves of bread, and you will take it from their hands. And after that, when you come to when you come to the um, Hashem's hill, um, when you get there to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the Bama, and they're going to have musical instruments with them, and they're going to be prophesying. And a Spirit of Hashem will will descend upon you, and you will begin prophesizing with them, and you will turn into a new man, or a different man than you were before. So these are things that actually took place, and um, it's interesting here that that the the bread and the whole thing seems to have obviously a double um, connection. It's connected both to uh, both to kingship, because this is the process of Shaul's being chosen king. And it's also being connected to prophecy, which Shaul was a prophet for, at least temporarily, while he was with that group of prophets. So, yeah, I guess there is a good reason to say that um, that eating bread under the right circumstances, with the right intentions, um, would be a way of demonstrating kingship and also of attaining prophecy, which is going to be relevant for how this plays out, for sure. Yeah, so as we were saying, so you're yes, eating eating this what seems to be just a meager repast uh, does seem to have some sort of uh, royal aspect to it. Sometimes uh, it's actually in the meager flour and water that you put together to form this bread that you actually have more of the nefesh than you do mm-hmm. when you when you have everything else involved and perhaps that's the reason why that somehow is the messianic you know the messianic meal the meal that's you know it looks like one of the one of the things that actually does propel david to be to be a more malchustic person um at least at least to be you know to claim his independence from from uh is the fact that he you know, he, he he runs away, and in order to survive, uh, Achimelech uh, Hakoyen um, feeds him lechem upon him because that's the only thing that there was. You know, and uh, also he also gives him the Goliath's sword to uh, to have on his to have in his possession. So, 
Yeah, so there's something about eating bread which which has some has some uh, has some malchustic connotations. There's something about that, um, but I think there's you know you're you're really you're bearing the lead here. I think Musk because there's the uh, the idea that of course this child uh, becomes connected to Leo not just as someone that he happens to break bread with or eat bread with. But he becomes the child that Eliyahu returns to life, right? Eliyahu Anovi becomes. Oh yes. He he is the so what we have here is a child uh, who has gone through death and life, and that seems to be a uh, an idea of Mashiach ben Yosef, right? The idea. Of, yes. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of that in various in various midrashim. Uh, about uh, Mashiach ben Yosef uh, having to die, being killed. Who is, you know, who is the mysterious person who is being, uh, who, whose funeral was so impressive, or is going, you know, uh, right? They built um, the whole in, in Navi Zachariah. Right. I, I don't have the pasuk open in front of me, you know. But, but we know that was. Uh, we um, say that was that was the that was a. So that's either Mashiach ben Yosef or the or the or the Sahara. Interesting also okay. that to sort of to sp- another spoiler here that you know Chazal somehow in they are in, in, in what they use to uh, demonstrate what needs to be done at the Simchas Pesach Shoeva they take a, a view into the future about Mashiach Ben Yosef's death and they use that as their model for the Simchas Pesach Shoeva right because I'm they, not are you. So, I'm talking about the Tikkun Godel, remember? The Tikkun Godel. Okay, they, the Tikkun Godel. So why don't you explain it? Because I'm so not, I'm not uh, being your head of that. Okay, so what I mean is that the, the, the Mishnayas in Sukkah, when it describes the Sanchez Pesach Shueva, says that, they, made, that they, they, they knew that women had to be part of it in some way, but they weren't sure. And, and yet they realized women needed to be separate. They couldn't be together in the Azara. And Chazal learn out from the Zivnavua of the Zachariah. of Zachariah about what would happen at, at, at the Levaya of Mashiach ben Yosef, where the men and women were separate. So and even the, even then it's a it's a it's a Levaya, so there's not a lot of Yitzhahara you right. would hope at a so, Levaya. Right. So for sure so, Bishas, for sure Bishas Simcha. So in other words, the template, the model for how how everyone's going to be part of this Besa Shoeva was based on the funeral of, of, of Mashiach ben Yosef. Yosef, right? Which sort of yeah. sh- sort of shows you that he that the Mashiach ben Yosef experience and what occurs, even though it's it's not some okay. distant, it's not some distant future with, that we, but somehow no. it keeps on becoming. It's still very much present day. You know. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.